Let me set a scene for you. The year is 1973. Location unknown and day also unknown. A group of six women and four men have been at sea for months on a 275-foot raft with no motor, no toilet paper, and sure as hell, no privacy. Sounds like the plotline of an M. Night Shyamalan script and totally could be. But in fact, y'all, this is real. There are pictures online and you should definitely look them up. This is actually the location of an experiment called the Peace Project, which was a study meant to show how violence could be ended worldwide. However, the media did not in any way think this was a peace project. In fact, the press dubbed it the sex raft. You see, all 10 of these men and women were picked because they were considered attractive. And the mad doctor running the study had this belief that sexual attraction in enclosed spaces would eventually stimulate violence. That's right, Lo. And what do you think happens when you put 10 men and women on a boat and do everything in your power to make them fight each other? Reality TV. Reality TV. Yeah, definitely (laughs) reality TV. It's exactly what it sounds like. But on today's episode, we are not talking about Love Island Raft Edition. We're talking about an experiment that lasted 101 days on the open sea, the Akali Raft Experiment. Welcome to Internet Urban Legends, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Loey, your friendly neighborhood true believer in all things spooky and scary, a fascinated observer of the sex raft, but certainly not a supporter. I would agree. Hey, y'all. I'm Eleanor. I'm your stubborn skeptic, though, like Loey, I'm a believer in the existence of the sex raft, perhaps not the premise behind it. <laughs> Together, we're the Gruesome Twosome, and this is Internet Urban Legends, where we dive deep into the darkest corners of the internet. We might find the answers we're looking for, or we might just scare ourselves into staying up all night. But one thing is for sure, you're all invited on our sex raft along with us today. It's going to be a fun one. It's going to be bigger than what they had. Now on Netflix, inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman, comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. Awaken your senses with a curiously refreshing Hendrix Cucumber Lemonade. Curious how? Cue the aroma. Marvelous. Cue the taste. Magnificent. Cue the cucumber. That's the refreshing secret. Hendrix is uncommonly crafted with cucumbers, roses, artistry, and imagination. Other gins are ordinary, but Hendrix is refreshingly curious. Discover Hendrix Gin cocktail recipes at HendrixGin.com. Please drink the unusual responsibly. Hendrix Gin, 44% alcohol by volume. Bottled imported by William Grant Sons, New York, New York. Copyright 2024. Okay, Lo, what is the Akali Raft experiment? We've been hyping it. People are confused. What is this thing? Everyone's like, a sex raft? Hello, am I on the right podcast? (laughs) So, the Akali Raft experiment happened in 1973, when 10 sexually attractive young people were handpicked for an experiment by scientist Santiago Genoves. Santiago got the idea and it's been said that like he was a little bit eccentric prior to this too. You know, he's like interested in a a couple of strange things, but he really got the idea when he was 
brace yourselves, a passenger on a plane that was hijacked the year before the experiment went down. He's like on this plane that was hijacked. Probably his life is flashing before his eyes. And as he's watching, observing the behavior of all of the other passengers and how it changed during the hijacking, he's like, oh, maybe people need to be put into like true danger to unveil who they are. Mm-hmm. Main character syndrome Very from this man. big main character energy. I also love how this traumatic experience where he's watching people, like, you know, go through something really horrible yep. immediately made him think of sex raft. We'll get there. We'll <laughs> do our best to tangentially make that connection. But like, like, is this man okay? The pipeline between a plane hijacking and sex raft. Yeah, right? just stopped here. <laughs> So before this, he had already known about a connection between violence and sexuality in ovulating monkeys. I guess there was this experiment done where in monkeys, like all the males started fighting each other when they were in an enclosed space and started like, you know, procreating with the female monkeys. And he was like, I guess he saw in this plane hijacking, or at least he claims that people would unveil their true selves in danger. And he also wanted to know if humans would act like monkeys. I'm still like where there are too many ovulating women on this plane that caused the hijacking. So true. So true. What what is I'm still just confused about the connection here. But yeah, we know that he had this traumatic experience and it made him really fascinated of the behavior of humans in high stress, traumatic situations. And somehow ovulation and sex is also factoring into this. Because of course a man would randomly just blame anything on a woman on her period. I think this was preconceived. I think Santiago (laughs) had this idea before the plane hijacking and he was like, actually this helps me prove my point that I've had since childhood, possibly. He's like cowering on the plane in the back of his mind like, Lord, if you let me make it out of this. Yes, (laughs) yes. So basically, he thought that if he were to do this experiment with people, the men would fight over the women. And this made him think. It got the little gears in his head turning. And he was like, you know what would actually be the perfect laboratory, the perfect scene for this experiment? A raft floating at sea, isolated and inescapable. I'm not making this up. He really thought that like by doing this experiment, by putting these people in an enclosed space with nothing to think about, but basically each other, you know, taking away entertainment, taking away any access to the outside world, that they would start to procreate and then start fighting each other. And for some reason in his little head, he's like, this will solve everything. This will solve violence. I do feel like we should return to the fact that he's intending to like cause world peace by putting 10 people on a 300-foot raft, right? Yeah. I dare say Santiago maybe used that as an excuse for what is very clearly a personal mission to do something, potentially in the name of science. I don't think so. I absolutely do not think that this was what it was And we'll get into the reasons why. But I do not think that this was like some kind of mission, this charitable, philanthropic thing where (laughs) he was just like, I'm going to solve all the world's violence problems. I think he wanted to play The Sims, but it was 1973. And The Sims isn't out. So we have four men and six women. I thought it was interesting that it wasn't five men and five women. I thought the same thing. We'll get into reasons why that might have been the case. Regardless, they set sail across the Atlantic Ocean in this raft so that he could better observe their human conflict or what he would hope 
their human conflict would be. In the group, there was a Japanese photographer, an Angolan priest, a French scuba diver, a Swedish ship's captain, an Israeli doctor, and an Alaskan waitress who was fleeing an abusive relationship. I think I read that Santiago wanted this to be a microcosm of the entire world. So he just invited sort of the most eccentric people he could find. Yeah, from different walks of life, from different corners of the world, with different jobs, like different ethnicities, just everything he could get a hold of. And of course, also on the ship, this is not a cabin in the woods situation. It's (laughs) 1973. Santiago is there as well. It's the only way he can control what everybody is doing. So he's on the ship. So the boat had no engines, which I thought was kind of shocking when I first figured that out. I was like, I mean, I know it's 1973, but that is kind of crazy. And the only way to escape this boat was to just jump off the boat. There was no way to leave the boat, right? They were also setting sail towards the Caribbean just in time for hurricane season. And as you mentioned, Santiago knew that the Akali was (laughs) heading into hurricane season and thought that science justified the risk. This pristinely executed scientific experiment justified the risk to these people's lives. He said, quote, I believe that in a dangerous situation, people will act on their instincts and I will be able to study them. I also want to mention, we said there was no entertainment. That means like no books, no anything. Yeah. There was also no toilet, obviously, right? They're on a raft. Wait, there was no toilet? There was no toilet. The toilet on this raft was a hole that was sea level and you would crouch over top of the hole and hope that the waves would just clean you up. So Santiago believed these people would have sex. Like, not to get graphic, but like, (laughs) you have to poop like pretty fast, right? Especially if you're nervous, like you have to nervous poop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're seeing these strangers poop less than four meters away from you and like, you're supposed to feel any sexual attraction to them like, ever? They can't wipe. They can't wipe, bro. I just had to point that out. Imagine a raft with no toilets, no entertainment, and you're sailing into hurricane season. Love that. Great time for them. There are also no safety precautions, of course. And like I said, there was no way for the experiment to end early. It was going to see itself out because the boat was only going to go where I guess it was intended. He wasn't going to dock them on land anywhere. I don't even know if there was land to dock. I mean, the experiment basically went like this. Okay, at first, the ship set sail on May 10th of 1973, and Santiago started the cruise by asking his passengers super personal questions. It was like him keeping a control journal, basically, of what they were saying, and I think he assumed that their answers would change over time. And the question started off, like, pretty simple at first, like, who's, like, a celebrity you would want to sleep with? Okay. But then it got much more personal, like, who on this raft would you want to sleep with? It's reality TV. It's reality reality TV. TV. It's reality TV, and he's literally the host. (laughs) There's a documentary about this called The Raft. Yeah, and the producer of the documentary, uh, there was a quote about Santiago, and he said about, like, reality TV, he said, quote, I suspect that if Santiago were alive today, he would be working in reality TV. He just wanted to be a reality TV producer. He had no interest (laughs) in science. Prove me wrong, right? He literally, like, tell me that The Bachelor was not directly inspired by the sex craft. (laughs) Just tell me. (laughs) The blueprint. So the questions get more and more personal with every passing week, basically. Who on the raft would you want to have sex with? Who would you want to kick off or kill on the raft? You know, for science. But Santiago also wanted to create conflict at every single turn to make sure that his participants would get frustrated on board. For starters, he would make sure that everybody on board was of different nationalities, religions, social backgrounds. So his choice of passengers were based on problematic stereotypes, such as including 
adversaries, like a white American and a black American, as well as a person of Arabic descent and an Israeli. He hoped that people would be inherently racist, sexist, etc., and that this would start fights, basically. And finally, Santiago had placed women in the most powerful positions on board, including the roles of sea captain, doctor, and diver. Now, this was potentially to make the men feel more emasculated. But, fun fact, the captain was Sweden's very first woman to ever receive a ship captain's license. That's cool. Yeah, super cool. cool. I mean, and what he thought was going to happen was he was going to have women in these positions of power and, you know, they were going to be like ruling over the men. But the men were probably just kind of, I mean, I have to assume, sort of grateful that they had people who knew what they were doing. Probably did not give a crap about like their gender. They were just like, thank God we have people who know how to do this because we don't. And you know, at first it wasn't so bad, all things considered. Even though there was nothing to do, (laughs) the passengers would sing songs and they kind of all got along. They would tell stories to each other to entertain themselves. But then by week four, boredom set in. Mm -hmm. As it does, as it does. And people have started having sex. We knew it would happen. I was surprised it took four weeks, but then I thought about the poop (laughs) thing and I was like, no, that definitely makes sense. And it took four weeks. Like it would take you a while. (laughs) This raft was also, the living space was like four by four meters or something. Yeah. Super, super small. So it makes sense that people weren't uh, fiending to get naked immediately. Mm -hmm. But eventually they did. And it was a really complicated process for reasons I just described. It usually took place between the two people who were on guard at night while the others were sleeping. I also am not sure what they're guarding from. Sharks? I guess. The Loch Ness Monster? I really don't know. Santiago probably set up that position in the hopes that people would have sex, is my assumption. You know what? Probably, Two people on guard. Like, what does that mean? And while having sex, the passengers would still have to use one of their hands to steer because the two people on guard were the two people steering the raft. And Santiago... He was hype. He was thrilled that people were finally getting it on. He was like, science is real. I'm a genius. And I understand the human condition. However, he was super pissed that nobody was fighting. He was very confused why the violence was not following up the sex. And in interviews that ended up following this experiment, the people who were having sex and sleeping together, they were like, casual sex was just something that I did already. So like it didn't change much when I got on the raft. It was just like, you know, so for anyone who's like his experiment worked, it definitely didn't. It was just that like these people already sort of, I mean, did that. And so they got into a raft for a hundred days and they're going to continue to do that. They also were not like telling Santiago that they were having sex because that's weird. I think like it's just word of mouth started going. Oh, he was fully lurking up every night. That's like, (laughs) what are you mean? He's like one eye open, just like, yes, absolutely. (laughs) So Santiago is already pissed, like you said, about the lack of violence. And it gets even worse for him when one day he hears a radio broadcast discussing the study and the press is calling it dun, dun, dun. The sex raft. The sex raft. (laughs) And the media called it the sex raft. Listen, they kind of just started putting the pieces together, baby. Santiago Mm -hmm. had, again, really like pushed this as a peace experiment, a world peace experiment. But people are figuring it out, right? And so they're like, bro, it's a sex raft. And it's just like whistleblowing. Everyone's telling each other about the sex raft. 
And Santiago's hypothesis was pretty confusing, so that's how they put it all together. The easiest way to explain the study is to say that 10 men and women were on a boat for a few months, and the doctor expects them to have sex or fight or both. And of course, with that information at hand, yes, the media calls it the sex raft. But this pissed Santiago off. This was not in his controlled scientific experiment. Like, nobody was supposed to call it the sex raft. No one was supposed to see it for what it was. What the hell? (laughs) This was supposed to be his big world-saving experiment. And he was like, this is everyone else's fault. It's not mine. His participants were too lazy to fight. And he decided it was time to manufacture up some drama. Literally a reality TV I was about to say, I know we keep saying it, but like, sir... Ditch the science and make it a media project and people will gobble this up. They'll be laughing, laughing at the concept. Up next, we'll talk about how Santiago betrayed the trust of everybody on board and in the process, put them in very real danger. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, Not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Sound the gifting panic alarm. You need to get an amazing gift. Wait, no, the perfect gift. Relax. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click gift mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. So 51 days into the voyage, Mm -hmm. Santiago starts reading out all the responses to the private questions he gave the participants. Hilarious. Hilarious. Wait, 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 wait. wait. People have been answering these questions for months and he just starts. Who do you want to have sex with? Who do you want to kill? Imagine like raft meeting. Patricia, you said you wanted to kill Frank last week. Frank, how does that make you feel? Craziness. It seems like it was honestly the last ditch resort that he did first. Like, <laughs> right? How could I create drama the easiest? So yeah, he would say things like participant eight thinks participant one is really cute. And then look around and be like, oh, that start anything? What about if I say participant seven thinks participant three is really annoying, but participant three thinks participant seven is really nice. Fake friends. He just wanted to drum up some yes. like some tea, right? And he got exactly what he wanted. Everybody got really mad, as they would. Oh, and everybody did get really mad, but not at each other. See, these people had seen each other in various states of undress. They had seen each other pooping into the ship hole. Like... They were such good friends at this point. 51 days into this experiment, they were the best of friends. 
And they weren't mad at each other. They understood. They communicated with one another about the things that bothered them, the things that they loved, the things that they hated. Who they were so pissed at (laughs) was Santiago. And they decided to simply stop talking to him or answering his (laughs) questions. There was the story of how he was particularly nasty to, I can't think of her name, He was really nasty to one of the women, just like really, really unkind to her for some reason. It was the African-American woman on the boat. And as we can already tell, I think he had quite a few racist prejudices already going into this. So he was just like mean to her. And then when she was answering the questions moving forward and he's like, who do you want to kill on the boat? She's like, Santiago. Who do you hate? Santiago. Hell yeah. Who do you want to throw overboard? You. Mm -hmm, Correct. (laughs) Taste. So, you know, they're pissed at him, baby. And the participants obviously aren't fighting with each other. They're, in fact, banding together against their common enemy. So Santiago takes it a step further. He starts throwing buckets of water onto people <laughs> to get a rise what out of What an agent of chaos. What a literal <laughs> maniac. <laughs> now, afterwards, participants didn't go into, like, full detail. But they say he was so bad, he would pull Gestapo methods to get what he wants. Now, I don't know what a Gestapo method necessarily is. I think that that reference just went right over my head. But I do understand that he's like trying so hard to get these people to fight. He's throwing water on them. Like, how do you like that? Huh? Was he like, was he? I know we're going to get into what they did about this shortly. Yes. But for any amount of time, was he the only one who could like navigate the ship? Like, why wasn't he turned on within seconds? Because if there's just 10 people on board and nine people hate one person. Does it really matter that he happens to be the scientist? You know, that's a good question. The mutiny certainly does come later. Although, can it be mutiny as much as it is just a necessary, like, overthrowing? I think that people did take this experiment seriously for a really long time. That makes sense. I think that these people were passionate about it. They were also, like, honestly having fun for the most part, enjoying each other's company and stuff. So, I do think that he knew, like, the ship's charting and stuff, but he also wasn't the captain, right? Like, right. It, was, it was someone else. So I actually don't know why it took so long. Okay. They are stronger than I, is what I can say. <laughs> so Santiago's throwing a temper tantrum at this point. And on top of all of that, there's a hurricane on the horizon. Maria, the ship's captain, recommended that they pull into a port to set out this storm. Now, Santiago is like, no, we cannot pull into port. Are you crazy? Sudden death is imminent. However... Uh, science, 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 <laughs> baby, ovulation. So he's like, no, we are, we're not continuing forward. So he said Jakku against Maria and told everyone, literally said, I'm the captain now. Like came out and was like, sorry, I'm taking over, baby. And everyone is just like, what is going on? Like, <laughs> you know, people are trying to understand like what's happening, but like all they know is that danger is imminent and this scientist does not care. So his time as captain, of course, would not last long. One day, during hurricane season, a huge container ship starts heading right towards the raft. And they just look on from their tiny little, like, under 300-foot raft, and they're like, oh, that's a massive boat coming our way. So Maria is like, we have to change course. Santiago is like, no, no. And so then the ship is not going to move. It's just coming straight at them. Santiago freaks out and completely cannot handle the situation. Maria keeps a cool head because this is what she does. And she sets out flares to alert the ship. 
which of course is the obvious Duh. thing to do here. <laughs> Maria knew exactly what she was doing. And she's the only reason that they all made it out of that alive, probably. Exactly. And the participants all knew it. They mm-hmm. fully turned on Santiago after this incident. They saw he wasn't sure and voted for Maria to become captain right. again. For their own safety, they realized that Santiago was just the most imminent threat, perhaps more so than the hurricane itself, to them making it back to land safely. They also remember at this point seriously considering murdering Santiago. So in some ways, potentially, Potentially. Santiago's experiment, if there is somebody so annoying in a group of 10 people, the other participants might, might consider, not even engaging in violence, but consider engaging in violence. One idea was to have him take a convenient tumble overboard. (laughs) Another involved a syringe with every crew member collectively holding the needle to assure their collective culpability and therefore silence. Hilarious. Hilarious. Now, after this, Santiago retreated below deck because he could tell he was being iced out and shunned. And he was like, "Okay, like I can't hang with the cool kids anymore. But I do love the idea of them talking about this while he's there. (laughs) I love it, yes. Like, what are you going to do, Santiago? You know what I mean? It really is nine against one now. Very assassination classroom, that syringe idea. It's actually pretty smart. But yeah, Santiago's downstairs. He collapses into a depression. Not only does the media not take his scientific venture seriously, but even the people on the boat don't like him anymore. It's a failure. This was made worse when he he should stop listening to the news and the media, right? Truly. It really doesn't help his mental health. But he heard on the radio that his university completely disavowed Santiago's research because the media was calling it the sex raft. Like no prestigious scientific university wants to be associated with with the sex raft. Fortunately, Without having to worry about Santiago, the group flourished. They loved it. They had a great time. And on August 19th, 1973, they finally arrived in Mexico. I was watching one video on this and the person explained it as like, instead of giving them this perfect situation for violence and just like lust for one another, he gave them the best opportunity for friendship. He mm-hmm. gave them a common enemy. A common enemy. Exactly. And there's nothing people love bonding over more than an enemy. It would have been much wiser. And honestly, reality TV producers have learned this from Santiago's failures. You always introduce a couple plants, right? Like you can't invite along just a priest. You have to bring along somebody who's going to intentionally cause drama, mm-hmm. intentionally create strife. You need a true villain. Santiago just did not realize that the reality TV villain was him. In the end, what is it that we even think this experiment proved? I mean, certainly Santiago did not get the evidence that he wanted. But like, what can we walk away with from this entire thing? (laughs) I mean, if you put 10 attractive people in a room together for 100 days, they'll probably have sex. Oh, the drama. I know. Big scientific revelations. We learned that Santiago's a dumbass. I think (laughs) first and foremost, number one. I honestly feel like that's it. Unfortunately, as much as I love this story, I don't think there's really much to glean from it scientifically. It's more so just like, honestly, it's kind of hopeful. Did we see a microcosm of world peace? Did we realize maybe we discovered that To ensure world peace, we just need one common enemy. (laughs) 
and that enemy is Santiago. Yo. I think we should tell, we should blast this podcast everywhere so that everybody in the world can hate Santiago. And then we, we will have achieved world peace. If we all hate Santiago, then we are all friends, actually. I think that that's really the only thing. And it's actually, I think... That in watching the interviews after, you know, everyone's time on the raft together, when they all came back and talked about it, they are so fond of one another. And it's so cool to see the bond that they have and the bond that people will gather when they are, in fact, put in danger. He wasn't joking about that. They revealed their true selves in danger, but they were much better people than he was. Mm-hmm. So, Chloe. I know we've talked about, I guess, what we can glean from this experiment, but for Santiago, for the sake of world peace... Mm-hmm. Do you think this experiment was a success or do you think it was a failure? In a weird way, and I hate to say this, Santiago is cheering in his grave. I think it was a success. I think that he proved that giving people a common enemy would achieve peace. Literally what we were just saying. Like, I think that in having to unite against him for self-preservation so that they wouldn't die in a hurricane or get hit by another ship. These people got a lot closer and became friends for life. Like, I also think it's interesting that he intentionally tried to invite along adversaries, like people who would be racist mm, towards one yep. another. But when you remove the context of the outside world, none of that happened. Yeah. Like he intentionally cast these people who he thought would fight, but with nothing in the world making them fight, humans just are humans and none of that prejudice seemed to come out. I think that's kind of interesting. I think that is too. Like I that maybe points to the fact that I mean, like world peace could be achieved if nothing in the world existed except humans. Thank you for that scientific revelation as well. But I think that's kind of cool. That is kind of cool. I'm curious to know what you guys at home are taking away from this. What do you think of the sex raft? Is it a a monumental success in some capacity or is it a gigantic laughingstock failure? Let us know all over social media with hashtag gruesome twosome. We, as always, would love to hear from you. Thank you all so much for listening. We are once again your hosts, Loie and Eleanor, also known as the Gruesome Twosome, and we've loved diving into the world of internet urban legends with all of you. You can find all episodes of Internet Urban Legends for free exclusively on Spotify. Don't forget to follow the podcast so we can continue bringing you a new disturbing mystery each and every week. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Loeybug and at Snitchery and support our show by following at Parcast on Instagram and at Parcast Network on Twitter. Stay gruesome, friends. Internet Urban Legends is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler from Parcast, Slash Management, and Ed Simpson, Fanny Baudry, and Leah Sutherland from Wheelhouse DNA. Sound design by Ron Shapiro, with associate sound design by Kevin McAlpine. It is produced by Jonathan Ratliff, Gemma Waters, John Cohen, Kristen Acevedo, and Lexi Kibben. Research and script writing provided by Judd Bookout. And we're your hosts, Loie Lane and Eleanor Barnes, a.k.a. The Gruesome Twosome. <laughs>